Let's stumble through history together. You and I'll hold each other up. Let's get a little drunk and talk about all the things that have shaped the world we live in. Welcome to the Drunken Histories Podcast. Uh, but, but it is... <laughs> but I, I teach, I teach, I teach my sons, I teach my sons, uh, my wife is not far away. She can hear this podcast going on. Of course. I teach my sons that women do make everything better. You give a woman, you give a woman a house, she'll turn it into a home. You give a woman a child, she'll give you a family. Women, for better or worse, you cannot live without them. Even even those of even those of you <laughs> listeners who are going, I'm no. married to a man. That's all fine and good, except for you came from a mother. <laughs> so the thing about it is, is we love our female <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we love our female companions. Two out of the three of us have kids with women. Um, but historically, women and their sway over men and men's stupidity well, I would get say laid the Bolshevik and get their revolution dick wet no has led to some atrocities in history. Let me had Nicholas not you. been swayed by his wife by the Tsarina, it he is not. would have, in fact, been able to see things coming that he, uh, through inaction, allowed to happen that eventually allowed for his overthrow and the murder of him and his entire family. Which, when we touch on that, it was indeed, as a matter of fact, new was completely now granted. Unplanned, by the way. News is not even on YouTube. It's not any of that. However, Vladimir Lenin. Yeah, Lenin. If you do the research, Lenin did not actually want to kill the Tsar or his family. (laughs) All he wanted was for Nicholas to give up power. That was it. He took orders, and there is there is good evidence that it was actually Trotsky's brother-in-law, Jacob Schiff, from what? who gave the order to murder the Tsar and his family. And the reason for that is because Chase Manhattan Bank was the financial backing behind the Bolshevik Revolution. Let's not forget. A hundred percent fact. Go look it up. The reason we have not which heard is a hundred percent is because fact. he was Jewish. Okay, and we are not going to spout any sort of anti-Semitism in any way, shape, or form in this podcast. However, because of the Holocaust, no one is allowed to say anything that, in any way, shape, or form, smacks of anti-Semitism. So the thing about that is, the thing about this, since we've already talked about that Trotsky was his, actually... His name was um, Lev Bornstein. That was his real name. What fuck, I lost his name. I need to slow down on the whiskey. Was, yes. Bornstein. Lev Bornstein was cousins with Schiff. Now, the interesting thing that you should look into if you're listening to this podcast, do your own That's research. Right. Bornstein left from New York Harbor on a boat. He arrived in England, then somewhere between England and Germany, Lev Bornstein no longer existed. It was a different name that boarded a train in Germany, took a train into Russia, 
And when he arrived in Russia, yeah. is the first night, first time you see. And his passport believe, was in fact drunk. American, approved. The first by time Woodrow you Wilson see the name Leon the Trotsky, fact, and you can look this up as well, is the fact that his boat was actually stopped in Canada. As it made a stop in Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, I can't remember because I too am drunk off my ass. Yes. It was stopped by the Canadians because they knew that Lev Bornstein was on board and that he was a communist uh, insurrection agent. And they arrested him. The Americans under Woodrow Wilson forged a passport under the name Leon Trotsky, sent it to him and told the Canadians to let him go. Now, what is interesting, and you can delve inside a deep, 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 deep rabbit hole here, is that World War I, as we know, was yeah. still going on. World War I did not end until 1918, November 11th to be exact, when the armistice was signed. Trotsky was allowed to leave America by Americans, by Woodrow Wilson and his cabinet, although there's another huge conspiracy theory that Wilson himself was out of his mind at the time and it was his wife that was running things, but that's a totally different rabbit trail not only was he allowed to go by the americans but the uh supposed opposing forces uh and the germans were the ones who sent linen in an armored enclosed train into russia to arrive at the exact same time as trotsky they arrived at the station at the exact same time to be met by be be met by yes. Bolshevik what then would have been considered Bolshevik underground personnel. And then not long after Lenin and Trotsky or Bornstein arrived at that train station, they were escorted by Bolshevik agents to where oddly enough people were clamoring in the streets for food and then somehow I don't know if it was you know you can go we were talking about the Tsarina and her control of Tsar Nicholas and Rasputin Gregory Rasputin's grasp and sway over her the nobles the other Russian nobles at the time are really the ones that put a stop to Rasputin but I don't know if it was Rasputin's convincing of the Tsarina that he could treat the hemophilia that run rampant no, through the family. Especially under the Tsar uh, apparent uh, Alexei. His son was, was a raging hemophiliac. Or, he, he, he had a serious blood disorder. But you have to really look at that as that is when the Russian people really, really, really lost their faith in the czars. But let's not forget the uprising was done by students and we've gone back to the fact that socialists tend to use their uprising through students. The same happened. Well, case in point, case in point, what did we see? What would what did we start seeing in 2018, 2019 and really super heavy in 2020 in America around Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. and things of that nature, the eat the rich yes. mentality the bring down the 1%, you have a large concentration. You have a large concentration of distribute the wealth with no concept of economic exactly. impact. You know, the incoming president of this country has already said that within his first 100 days of office, he's already leaning on 
a party-controlled, note those words right there, a party-controlled government for a $1.9 trillion stimulus package on the back end of the one that the previous administration administered. Now, here's the thing. Now, tell me we're not streamlining towards... Let's look back at history, too. French Revolution, uprising by, let's say, students, and so on and so forth, that gets the populace involved. What exactly did the French Revolution do for the French people? It over... Really, since we're going to touch on this, the French Revolution piggybacked off of the American Revolution. To an extent, but they took two separate paths. To an extent. Two very, very separate, two separate paths. paths. The only, the only distinctive thing that I can affirmatively say, I am very drunk, affirmatively say about the French Revolution is the fact that the only thing it did away with was the monarchy. Yes. However, but it was used. But if you start looking into the French Revolution, which we'll touch on this on the next podcast, we can go into the French Revolution on the next podcast. It I is, think it's a good follow up. The French Revolution, Montresor and all those guys used that to escalate themselves in society and eliminate any competition. Which is known as the Reign of Terror, in which over 20,000, including Rousseau himself, lost their head to the guillotine. In America, we did not see that sort of purge. No, but I have a feeling... It's very, very, like we've said before, history repeats itself. It is very worrisome that in the current climate that we live in, after the incident on January the 6th in the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C., they've already labeled that an insurrection. They're already witch hunting anybody affiliated through donation, publication, or anything else with that event. Does that not scream... Russian, French Revolution, hunt down the opposition to make room. Hell, I'll even go as far as the uh, Khmer Rouge. Cambodia, exactly. Well, every, if you look at at, at least at the past uh, 100 and 120 years of socialist uprisings and revolution, they all follow the same MO. They clean their own house first, and then they go after the populace, anybody that they see as a threat. And so, uh, as we know from history, Trotsky ends up with an ice pick behind his ear. He dies, even though he is truly the brainchild behind the Russian Revolution. He is what they called a fellow traveler. He was more of an idealist than he was practical, and they had to do away with him, so they killed him. Lenin. But, but Vladimir Lenin was the mm-hmm. power-hungry leader that that particular party needed. You don't need a fucking idealist around that can flim-flam and show, what's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. appeasement to others. You need someone that you can manipulate that is willing to you rule need with an iron a, fist. It now, becomes, as Eric von Knetledden shows in his book, Eric, Leftism Revisited, which I have mentioned before in another podcast, every time 
there's a socialist or a communist revolution, it ends in totalitarianism. What happened with the French Revolution? Who ends up in 1804 grabbing the true power? It's a despot, Napoleon. As a matter of fact, a quote from him is, how do you pacify the people? Give them a whiff of grape shot. And that's exactly what he did. He loaded canister into those cannons and mowed down the populace and thus becomes the despot. And yet, because they are clamoring so hard for revolution, they follow behind Napoleon, even though he's the very one murdering them. They follow behind him. The same thing with Lenin. How many uh, Russians were murdered under Lenin's administration? Everybody talks about Stalin because up to 35 million Russians, who knows the exact count, were murdered under Stalin's regime. But actually, there were over 10 million under Lenin himself that he purged. So, you know, that that so to bring bring a little pop culture into it, mm. Eddie Izzard, yeah. the English comedian. You know, either you love him or you hate him. I think he's absolutely hilarious. But he has he has a great little bit about you know you can you can kill as many of your own people as you want, and the world won't blink an eye. It's only when you go and start killing your neighbors mm-hmm. that they say something. You know, in yeah. the Cambodians. As long as they killed Cambodians, you know what that guy got? Pol Pot got fucking house arrested. And how many Cambodians died? A million, two million, a staggering amount for such a small country. Lenin, Lenin, Lenin got deified. He had his body embalmed, and it's on fucking yeah. display. Well, let 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 this Stalin, Stalin literally, Stalin literally had someone invent Photoshop because he kept killing everybody near him along with the other 30-plus million people that he had executed, loaded in a box cars, or sent off to gulags that never yeah. fucking returned. But as long as he killed his own people, nobody, nobody batted a fucking eye. Hitler, I'm not, I'm not approving anything Hitler did, but if Hitler had stayed in Germany and only killed the Jews in Germany, we probably wouldn't have had World War II, but he had to go and annex Poland in 1939. Well. Eventually, it just becomes a numbers game with all the socialists, because let's get this one thing straight. And I had a huge argument a few weeks ago with a uh, somewhat leftist uh, acquaintance me. of mine. Um, <laughs> it, well, I, I, the, the reason I don't use the word friend, uh, I say a leftist acquaintance sorry, sorry, sorry. of mine. The world of ac- yeah. academia is is because <laughs> this individual refused to accept the fact that both fascist and communist communists are both socialists. Uh, although we've established that uh, Nazi is an acronym for National Socialist Workers Party. Socialist. Therefore, Party. it is both socialist movements. Let's not forget if you add up the numbers, this is simply fact. This has nothing to do with conspiracy nothing at all just add up the numbers in the 20th century more human beings have died violently under the reign of socialism whether it be fascist or communist than all other human beings in any other century combined that is a staggering amount of human life that's to the tune of at least half a 
billion people and we don't even know the exact amount because as every single one of us knows the communist or socialist it tend to skew their numbers and so they won't actually tell you how many people just as 10 years ago russia released information that they accidentally discovered a gulag that they did not even know existed in which they found it and 50,000 dead bodies in Siberia, and even Putin himself had no clue that it existed. Because all they did was fucking seal the bitch shut and let them starve to death and eat each other. Thus, anybody who thinks that in any way, shape, or form that socialism is a good idea, because I've heard this a million ways from Sunday, but 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 comrade Matthew, oh, we call it democratic, democratic socialism now. Oh, yeah. We're going to distribute the wealth. We're all in this together. Well, guess what? It's funny how it's funny how every time some motherfucker gets up about redistributing the fucking wealth and railing against communism, when that revolution happens, yes. Do they go after the 1%? Do they go after the richy riches and the nobles and the aristocrats and everything else? Yeah, they do. But where does that fucking money end up? Because to the best of my knowledge, Vladimir Lenin lived a pretty good fucking life after the fucking as did Stalin, Revolution. As did every single one of the rest of them, because ultimately it ends up as an oligarchy. You do not have right or left in the end. It's the haves versus the have-nots. It's a consolidation of wealth. So would you go out on would you go out on a limb and say something like three houses of government all controlled by the same party? Hundred percent. That seems like a stepping stone. Wait, wait, hold up. My inner history student's coming out. I I, I can picture a white-bearded <laughs> history professor pointing at a chalkboard at a certain university saying something along the lines of masculine republics turn to feminist democracies that turn into despotic governments that turn into ultimately it all ends up in oligarchy you know ancient greece is celebrated as the first democracy and yet if you go and look back at athens actually the only people who allowed who were allowed to vote in this quote-unquote democracy were landowning males Thus, it's not a true democracy, and democracy as we know it is, in fact, a bad term, not a good term. Democracy is is thrown around today like it is the end-all, be-all, God's greatest gift to mankind, when, in fact, the word democracy is made up of two Greek words, which means mob rule. Democracy always ends up in despotism in every trip of the train, whether it be the French Revolution ending up with Napoleon, whether it be the Bolshevik Revolution ending up with Lenin. It doesn't matter if you look at history. And I'm not even talking about looking at the entire scope of history. Let's just look back at the last 200 years. It ends up every Trip of the train. Name me one single socialist, quote unquote, democratic country that has succeeded in their uh, utopia. North Korea. Let's take North Korea. Okay. All right. Because North Korea is still around. 
You want to take North Korea? I mean, there's not much there. I think we can maybe take in about three weeks or so. The people (laughs) of North Korea are starving to death. What happened? No, they're not, because the great leader told them that if they ate cardboard, (laughs) they'd be okay. Yeah, okay. Do not argue with the great leader, Matthew. Mao begins the Great Revolution. Nobody knows how many Chinese starved to death. The estimates are anywhere from 50 to 200 million human beings starved to death. Now, I'm sorry, you know, y'all, y'all can contradict me all y'all want. I'm not talking to you specific guys. I'm talking to all of our listeners and viewers, whoever they may be. You can contradict me all the way, but that don't sound like a utopia to me. Okay, Cuba. What happened in Cuba? 1958 or 59, whenever Castro took power. I was supposed to have been, in 2004, I was supposed to have been on the very first international archaeological team to go into Cuba and do archaeology on the Taino culture, and we got rejected because of some bullshit line that the Castro administration fed us, that they believed that George W. Bush was planning an invasion of Cuba, whatever. But at the same time, what happened in Cuba? Cuba became a backwater. Venezuela. Okay, let's use Venezuela as our example of a great utopia. Oh, wait. What's going on in Venezuela right now? Extreme extreme inflation, extreme government-funded programs led to a despotic government where people are starving and standing in fucking bread lines and are dying to get out of the country because, and I say they're dying to get out of the country, they're literally being shot at the fucking borders by the police. To keep them in the country. The very police, the cops who were supposed to protect and serve them, yank them out of their cars and sell them for ransom because they're so corrupt. Name me one single successful socialist country. You cannot do it. What happened in Vietnam? But this brings what happened me, in Cambodia? This brings me to a point. This brings me to a point. There has the reason you know you touched on Thomas Jefferson earlier. The founders of this country, which, you know, I'm a huge founding fathers advocate. I'm a huge republic advocate. I'm a huge constitutionalist at heart. You know, a lot of people want to say we live in a democracy now because of the opening lines of one of our founding documents, a government for the people by the people, which people want to interpret that nowadays as mob rule. No. The way the Bill of Rights and the way the Constitution was written in the United States was not to tell the people what they could do. It was to tell the government what they the couldn't government, take what away. The government, what they couldn't take away. The Bill of Rights, there's a reason that Thomas Jefferson used the word unalienable. It means you cannot separate these rights from the people. Now, my observation is the Constitution at this time and day of, you know, January 16th, 2021, means exactly dick because we've seen the complete overthrow and we're about to see. I sent you, I sent you, I sent you that really clever artist picture, didn't I, where they had shoved the, uh, they'd done an artist rendering uh, where they had shoved the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution yeah. in a meat yeah, grinder. Exactly. Turned it exactly. into sausage. But anyways, well, back to the, the Bolsheviks. Bolsheviks did the same thing. Let's not forget. Yeah, 100%. they did the same thing by lying to the people and telling them that they were now free and had rights. They virtually enslaved all of them. 
People had no rights. The people couldn't do anything. They lived in perpetual fear of the NKVD, the predecessors of the KGB, every single day. Which is the predecessor of the FSB. Every single day. They lived in complete fear of them. The people became more enslaved, not less. They did not become free. They said they were by the people, but it was all a lie. So let's so let's let's tie this in. You know, I was I I have Disney Plus, right? Feed the Mickey Mouse machine, right? My wife and son, we sit here and we're slowly working our way through the chronological order of all of the Marvel movies. The very first Avengers movie. Have you seen I've it? I've seen all of them. Okay. So there's a scene where Loki is coming out of the mm-hmm. German museum and all the people he tells them to yeah. kneel. And Loki, I don't know who wrote the line. I don't know if it was John Favreau or whoever writ, wrote and directed that movie. There's a very keen scene in that movie at that very moment. He tells them, is not this easier? Freedom is a lie. You work much better when you are subjugated. Is the thought of human subjugation so ingrained in people's minds that they would rather give up the chaotic, I'm going to say chaotic neutral or chaotic good of freedom, of having more options than they know what to do with? Is that why historically humankind strives for subjugation, whether adamantly, voluntarily, or inadvertently. What's your opinions on that? I want Nathan's opinion as well, because as the younger member of this podcast, he has experienced a school system that you and I have been departed from. His generation of students and graduates and everything else is a lot closer to What's going on now? Then I say you and I are Matt. I would say that yes, you and I are the the we we were the last of the. Uh, we were not completely brainwashed. They still left us a little bit of free thought. But Nate, go go ahead, Nathan. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, throw out a quote by Benjamin Franklin here in a minute. But but you go ahead. 